is going to be a very quick mini episode, more like a preview than an episode. Um, but I wanted to give you guys an idea, or you all, not just you guys, um, but everybody, an idea of what's going on for uh, right now and what's going to happen in the next few weeks. Um, so basically, the last week and a half, two weeks have been a little bit chaotic um, for me. I'll go into why that is in the next episode, um, but I just wanted to give people a heads up as to what we're doing in February. We will be reading for the Reading Revolution series, which is where we read and discuss um, writing and written works uh, that have inspired or that were written by leftists of color. Um, we're going to be talking about M.A. Césaire's uh, Discourse on Colonialism, which is an amazing work, uh, something that is eerily still so incredibly relevant and perhaps because we are still living under um, you know arguably colonialism but in some cases the vestiges of colonialism um, that's a discussion for potential debate uh, but that being said his work is incredibly relevant and still applies to so many things that we're going to going through um, right now so for this episode I'm going to read just a quick little segment or section of his work. I think it's going to be like less than a page. Um, but just to give you a feel for the way he talks about colonialism and its effects and how much it still resonates in the present. Uh, but before I do that, I just want to remind everyone that the Patreon page has been updated in the sense that it's up to date. <laughs> so literally updated. Um, it has all of the most recent podcasts there, uh, podcast episodes, excuse me. Um, I'll also post uh, the link to Discourse on Colonialism for folks so that they can read it or at least skim through it before we discuss it on the pod. Um, and so you can check that out by going to patreon.com slash left POC and that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash L-E-F-T-P-O-C. Um, and there you can find more information about our previous episodes as well as some readings and things like that that we've provided for free um, for folks who are working along through all of this with us. Um, the other thing I wanted to add too is that of course Everything that we do at Left POC or the Left Pocket Project, for its full name, um, is free. So you guys don't have to pay for anything. Uh, we accept donations, of course, that help us keep the podcast running, um, helps me pay my guests and my co-hosts and things like that. Um, but, you know, it is a free free resource, and I want to keep it that way. Um, so if you can give a dollar or more per month, that's amazing. It helps us out a lot, a lot, a lot, actually. Um, but if you're unable, I still appreciate your listening and sharing and letting other people know, especially if you enjoy this uh, podcast, if you've learned something from this podcast um, or that you want to share with others, definitely do that. That helps us out a lot as well. Um, and then also just as a reminder to folks, Despite what anyone says, at least in the U.S. government, we are still in a pandemic. Um, it is still killing around 500 or more people a day, depending on the day in this country, let alone other countries. But obviously the U.S. has the worst numbers. Um, and one of the best ways to protect yourself in addition to your vaccination and things like that is with masking, um, preferably a respirator mask. So a KN95, a KF94, or even better, an N95 or better um, is going to be your best way to prevent getting COVID. Um, so I urge all of you, if you can have access to that and have access to them, uh, please wear one. And if you don't have access to them and you need one, please send me a message. I will help you out or I will also be able to help you find uh, places where you can get 
free masks or cheaper masks um, that are still from reputable companies uh, that are fully NIOSH approved, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So please do not hesitate to reach out to me either on Twitter or Facebook, wherever you see me. Um, you can also reach out to me on my personal stuff. So like on Twitter at MuseWendy, that's M-U-S-E-W-E-N-D-I, if you have any questions on how to prevent COVID. Um, or if you want, you can reach out to the Left POC page as well, which is obviously on Twitter. You can find me as at Left POC, and I'm more than happy to help you navigate this process. Um, so with that being said, let me read a little bit of Césaire. Um, his work is just like, it's one of those things where when you read it, you just you feel it down in your bones. At least I did. <laughs> so I really appreciate what he does in this work. It's a very short work. So it's only like 50 pages or so. Um, it's primarily about the French, but, you know, because he's a, he's a, a French colonial subject, if you will, but he has, um, you know, analyses here that apply to pretty much any Western state. Um, and so it's really, it's really great to read and helpful. Um, and you'll probably be able to hear, even just with this short little segment that I'm going to read now, um, some of the things that connect to the present. So I'm starting on page 31. That's the very beginning of the, um, the text. And uh, this is the start of Discourse on Colonialism, first section, page 31 of the PDF that I'm including on the Patreon page for those of you who are wondering uh, the pagination. So he starts by saying, A civilization that proves incapable of solving the problem it creates is a decadent civilization. A civilization that chooses to close its eyes to its most crucial problems is a stricken civilization. A civilization that uses its principles for trickery and deceit is a dying civilization. The fact is that so-called European civilization, quote-unquote Western civilization, as it has been shaped by two centuries of bourgeois rule, is incapable of solving the two major problems to which its existence has given rise, the problem of the proletariat and the colonial problem. That Europe is unable to justify itself either before the bar of quote-unquote reason or before the bar of quote-unquote conscience, and that increasingly it takes refuge in a hypocrisy which is all the more odious because it is less and less likely to deceive. Europe is indefensible. And then he goes on from there um, to talk about, you know, the ways that Europe has acted in the world um, and the problem that's set up by these... Um, separations of of the world basically divisions of the world on the basis of you know european understandings of of other places and other peoples um but i want to go in a little bit further and read just one more piece that i think is uh, i don't know quite important for us to think about in the wake of all sorts of things that are happening now um and that i think are a bit uh frightening in, in the long run. So let me see if I can find it here. Okay. And this is on page 47. To go further, I make no secret of my opinion that at the present time, the barbarism of Western Europe has reached an incredibly high level, being only surpassed, far surpassed, it is true, by the barbarism of the United States. And I'm not talking about Hitler or the prison guard or the adventurer, but about the quote-unquote decent fellow across the way. Not about the member of the SS or the gangster, but about the, the respectable bourgeois. In a time gone by, Leon Bloy 
innocently became indignant over the fact that swindlers, perjurers, forgers, thieves, and procurers were given the responsibility of, quote, bringing to the Indies the example of Christian virtues, end quote. We've made progress today. It is the possessor of the quote-unquote Christian virtues who intrigues, with no small success, for the honor of administering overseas territories according to the methods of forgers and torturers. A sign that cruelty, mendacity, baseness, and corruption have sunk deep into the soul of the European bourgeoisie. I repeat that I'm not talking about Hitler or the SS or pogroms or summary executions, but about the reaction caught unawares, a reflex permitted, a piece of cynicism tolerated. And if evidence is wanted, I could mention a scene of cannibalistic hysteria that I have had been privileged to witness in the French National Assembly. And so <clears throat> I think one thing that is important to think about is like, he has, throughout this text, um, a constant reflection on who the bad guys are, right? And in many ways, what he does is he sort of turns the bad guy into, or not turns, I mean, it's already that way, but he talks about the bad guy as the everyday person who allows these horrors to happen. So it's not just the the people who are fashioned and who have fashioned themselves into the enemy du jour, right? People like Hitler, we know are evil. But what we talk less about is the evil that the everyday person uh, who allowed someone like Hitler to rise to power, who allowed, allowed the Holocaust to happen, how those people are also enabling this rampant violence. And so for Césaire, who again is a French colonial subject, and he's when he's been witnessing so many things happen to people around the world at the hands of the French, he's basically saying that like we can't discard the kind of everyday violence that is being committed by people who are fashioning themselves as the good guys or the regular people um, or the people that are foils to someone like Hitler. And I think the specter of Hitler, for example, even well into the present, um, when we talk about the Nazis being sort of the end-all be-all of human cruelty, what we lose in that process is the fact that we are, as a country, at least in the United States, um, you know, our tax dollars are going daily to acts of violence that rank up there in terms of the number of people being killed uh, with things like the Holocaust and, and state violence that's happening domestically towards, you know, black people, towards Latinos, towards immigrants, uh, towards indigenous people, et cetera, fill in the blank, you know, the list goes on and on. But we don't talk about how this violence is all part of a spectrum or like a, a big, I was to say, continuum of, um, you know, violence that's happening over the course of time that's being committed by a variety of different actors um, and to not just isolate that into one figure or one time or one group of people but to recognize the ways that everyone is complicit um, and what we need to do to undo that complicity in these systems that harm. So with that said, I'm going to leave it there. Um, I look forward very much to discussing this book with Richard. We're in the process of reading it, rereading it for me. Um, so we're going to be talking about it a little bit more, obviously, uh, in a few episodes from now. And I hope that you all are getting excited about it because I know I am. I'm a bit of a nerd, but really it's one of those works that like as you go through it, it just it reminds me a lot because we're talking about colonialism of um, 
the colonizer and the colonized, which we also read in terms of it's like, oh, damn, like kind of moments, like, you know, mic drop moments throughout. Um, so I hope that some of you all will enjoy that as well. And like I said, it's a very short piece. So for those of you who have a moment of free time or like a couple of minutes a day to just like check out a page or two, definitely do that. But we're going to do a deep dive and like a full comb through as we usually do for Reading Revolution very soon. So be on the lookout for that. And also be on the lookout for a new episode next week, uh, hopefully Monday. And I'll talk to you soon. Have a good one, y'all. Bye.